Hey Phil. Hey Laurie. How you doing, man? I'm very good. It's been a while, and it feels even longer every time we do it, don't you think? Partly because you've been away enjoying the snow, or maybe not so much. Yeah, that's true. Listeners, I was on holiday last week, which is also why. And many, many, many apologies. <laughs> don't take my word for it. Dot dot dot. Not exclamation mark exclamation mark, which apparently already exists. Oh. Uh, has not been launched yet. I've been away. I've been busy. Blah blah blah. Excuses. Excuses. Who cares, Laurie? Come on, just get off. Get what's the word I'm looking for? Get on your bike. Get, get on off the horse. your high horse and <laughs> ride it. <laughs> <Can't even think. laughs> yeah. Something like that. It is coming, it is coming. But yes, I had a nice break. Nearly got stuck up in Sheffield with all the snow. But you didn't, because you're here, and hooray. Hooray. This week, listeners, we're going to be talking about the Oscars. I thought you were supposed to be angry. I am angry. I'm trying to condition myself so that I'm nice and happy at the start of the show. Right. And then slowly I'll reveal the inner burning f- rage. That sounds more painful to listen to. Because that sounds <laughs> like actually, a long... Right. I'm so annoyed, basically, <laughs> that Gary Oldman flipping one for being in a fat suit and not doing Phil... the right accent or the right voice and being terrible. And everyone's just like, oh, look at the man doing the funny voice. Oh, he's got a fat suit. Like, what are what you doing, are you doing Academy? Impressions of, impression of? He's just ridiculous. I'm, also, I'm not saying that about him. I'm saying that about you. Who I was know. that an impression I'm, I don't know. It's, it, it's my, in my mind, it's the ridiculous people that voted for him. What, like they me, must have had, if I had a vote, I would have voted no, for him. No, you wouldn't, because yes, you're would. better than that, Laurie. <laughs> I'm not better, better than, than that. better than that. Would you really pick <laughs> Gary Oldman over Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread? Well, actually, we, d- we did tweet about this. I managed to do it like literally just before the Oscars, or before I went to bed before the Oscars anyway. Mm. And I did say, I think Daniel Day-Lewis, that's a better performance from him in Phantom Thread. But I don't that means Gary Oldman doesn't deserve the Oscar because I don't know that it's exactly I'm sorry is it best actor or is it the actor you like the most for what they try to do with their I little think, ideas but the thing is the reason mm. Daniel Day-Lewis mm, let's look at the statue and work come on out. man come on man the reason his performance feels so much better and stronger is because the film is so much more cohesive and impressive whereas Darkest Hour we both agree is not a good film really it's, it's pretty average and, and it boring. makes it feel very tame and cheesy and safe And but I really do think Gary Oldman's performance within it is pretty exceptional Given the job he was asked to do, I think he absolutely nailed it. I find it very difficult, listeners, as I'm sure you're aware, because I actively found it distracting and unhelpful and disengaging his performance. And so the idea of that being the best performance of the year, just redonkulous, uh-huh. redonkulous. Uh-huh. But anyway, we're going to talk about the Oscars Are later. We coming back to it? We're I'm going to put... spend ages on it because it's old news. I'm going to nip it in the bud for now. And we're instead going to say, welcome to Super Baby Bros, episode eight. This well, week we're going to be... Th- three is season three, episode eight. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, season yeah, three, yeah, episode yeah, eight. Yeah. This week we're going to be talking about Lady Bird, yes. Oscar nominated, didn't win. Mm-hmm. Oh, spoilers. Mm-hmm. And then also I, Tonya, you've gone to see that one. Yeah. And you've I've seen... got like, Phil, to be honest with you, I saw a film that's not out for two weeks and I've seen three films that are out this week and I'm going to be reviewing films that are out like, <laughs> two weeks ago. You don't know which I, way's up. And my, my head down. is, yeah, it's all very filmy in there. It's going to be hard to sift through it all. <laughs> filmy is a description of a, a brain status. Sounds Ooh. very appropriate. I yeah, don't know why. Right. Very filmy. Film. Ugh, mm, sticky and slimy. But nonetheless, listeners, hopefully that will all add up to a fun time in the years for you guys. What a horrible phrase. <laughs> uh, we're going to do what we've been watching, aren't we? Yes, I am going to review Fracture, a film starring Ryan Gosling and Anthony Hopkins from kind of late, middle 2000s. Very 2007-ish, strange. 2007-ish, is it? I think. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. It was a very strange film. 
Well, don't give it away, Phil. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, I well, there are so many films I could do. I've seen Mute, which is that Netflix one from Duncan Jones. I saw Jumping Jack Flash again with Whoopi Goldberg. I'd so like what, to hear your thoughts on Mute. Would you? Should I just do that? Mm-hmm. Okay, I saw the proposal. So lots to look forward to. Down <laughs> We've already line. covered the proposal. Let's let's, let's <laughs> leave oh, that one to the side. Also, a film called The Land Girls, which was really really weird. But again, I won't review that this week. And we've got a little extra bonus as well as the Oscars, haven't we? We're going to resurrect a long forgotten feature at the request, as it turns out, of one of our listeners there you go lots to look forward to and your emails and tweets right at the back end of the show thank you very much to those patreon supporters on patreon.com forward slash super bailey bros for supporting us yep. however i'm not going to carry on with our usual message on this <laughs> at this point of supporting the show blah 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 instead listeners listen up if you'd like to support the bailey bros for free this is how you could do it if you've been loving the show be excited because laurie and i are very excited we're going to be on the bbc easter sunday uh, Easter Monday. Easter Monday. Yeah, that's, what it that's what I <laughs> don't said. That's what I said. Easter Monday. I just M's to S's, and uh, that's super exciting. We're going to have two hours of chat and actually being broadcast well, in presenters. a proper platform yeah. as presenters. We're hosting the show. We're being trusted, which is very exciting. Yeah. And what we'd love is your emails and your support, and for you guys to listen. I'm sure it'll be available through a website link or through an iPlayer type thing. But you could even email and have your email read out on BBC Oxford, if you'd like to, on a topic such as, Laurie? It's weird to me that you've just done all of that in one go, because you've done, like, all the details, and you've got some of, some of them you sort of got almost slightly wrong. <laughs> but, I, I thought I did very well. I was sounding <laughs> no, very professional it was slick. It was really, really good. I mean, it was great. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, listeners, we, we would love you to listen. That's 12pm. <laughs> p- listen, come on, this is the important stuff, man. You didn't say. Oh, right, okay. Easter Monday, the 2nd of April, 12pm to 2pm on BBC Radio Oxford, that you can listen to on digital radios, easy to find, or via the iPlayer on the BBC website. All you need to do is do BBC Oxford. Just search for that. You'll find it really, really easily. Please tune in. We would love you to listen. And we would, as Phil says, love your contributions for two specific features. Number one is going to be like an agony aunt thing where, or this is the plan at the moment, listeners, I should say, because you never know, like it might fall through. There is always that possibility in the media or the show might change. But right now, we'd love it if someone had a sort of problem, funny or even moderately serious, that they'd like us to try and solve live. So you can actually call the Bailey Bros and you can chat to Phil and me. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd live be on the really radio. exciting, wouldn't it? I would absolutely love that. And I hope you'd enjoy that too. And, you know, we'd say on the radio, oh, we've got well, someone who listens to our podcast, is, you know, that kind of thing. We chat about it. So if you think you'd be up for that, then, you know, consider it. And we'll make sure we get you the number ahead of time so you can plan that and have fun. But we'd also like your emails on, well, let's go with this one. Grand gestures, grand plans you've made that have not gone according to plan. You know, the plans of mice and men off to go awry. Whenever you maybe you've got a romantic gesture in mind that you think is going to sweep that special someone off their feet. And then not just one thing, but two things, but maybe three or four or five things go wrong. And maybe it ends up being a gesture just slightly less romantic than you <laughs> planned. Yeah. Or maybe it could be anything like a party that you'd sort of tried to sort out, a sports event, maybe an elaborate prank, stuff that you've planned that's gone wrong. I would love to hear your stories and please send them to us. So those are two ways you could really support the show. You can listen or you could contact us. And that would mean 
absolutely bucket loads to meet. Oh and yeah, I mean we're so so excited. This you know this is a chance, isn't it? This is a chance for Phil and I to we be could radio. make it big, Johnny. <laughs> uh, we would love it, and we'd love your support, and we'd love you to be part of it as well. As you know, people who've propped the show up and helped us get to that point in the first place. So yeah, please do email us in, and that's superbellybros at gmail.com for now, isn't it? Yeah, you can email the normal uh, website addressy thing email yeah, address. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, well done, Phil. Yeah. That's right. I'm, remember, just to preempt you, I'm going to want an email from you, an email song from you later on in the show. Don't forget, please. Oh, I, I hadn't remembered. Yeah, remember <laughs> right now. Remember right now, oh, okay. listeners. And that you can also use that and our Twitter account to get in touch with us about anything we say on the show. Superbellybros at gmail.com at superbellybros on Twitter. Your correspondence makes a big part of the show. It's all towards the end, and we love getting it. All that. I think we've said loads, haven't we? Anything else to say? Uh, I've got a little thing which I just suddenly thought from what you said. Okay. You said uh, the show might change. And I thought that's the lesser known cousin of the show must go on. <laughs> the show <laughs> might true. change. The show must. No, yes. Yeah. It's not quite as catchy. The show might change. It's the more practical cousin. Yeah, the show might change. And yet it must go on. It's a nice sort of addition, addendum yeah. <laughs> to that particular saying. Good, good job, Phil. There you go. It made me laugh. Anyway, on with the show. It must go on. <laughs> now, Phil, I've heard people say... Uh, in a sort of funny way. It may even have been honest trailers in their thing before the Oscars where they said that hipsters will try to pretend they know who Greta Gerwig was before Lady Bird. And the thing is, I really do know. I know who Greta Gerwig is. I saw in a a little film called... uh, uh, What's it called? (laughs) (laughs) It's got Ben Stiller in it. What's it called? It's really annoying. It's Noah Baumbach. I know all the other she, names. She was like being a long time collaborator with him, and uh, I think they're romantically involved. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, see, I know lots of oh, things. Um, she's she's a Jackie. Yeah, she's an actress. She's a writer. She's been involved with lots of the scripts with Noah Blom, blah, blah, blah. Baumbach, yeah. And uh, often those films are praised for the dialogue being very realistic and authentic. And she's also an actress. I uh, remember she was going to be the lead in a pilot for the kind of sister slash sequel show of How I Met Your Mother. It was How I Met Your Father. She was in it as the kind of Ted Mosby, but that didn't get picked up. But yeah, she's an interesting actress. I'm almost sort of glad for her that it didn't. I'm sure she would have been brilliant in it, but I think she's got a bit more to offer than that kind of role. Maybe I'm wrong about that as well. But listeners, yeah, so Greta Gerwig has directed Lady Bird and it was nominated for a load of Oscars. Didn't take home any, I don't think. I don't think it did, but it was nominated in lots of big categories, including... Best Picture. Best Picture, Best best Supporting Actor. Best Screen player thing wasn't it i'm saying my <laughs> best actor best actress sorry or is it act is it all actor now you said you just said you <laughs> want to say this come on man best actress uh saoirse ronan yes best supporting actress laura metcalf laurie metcalf great name laurie well played yeah <laughs> sorry i just read it as uh laura for some reason no i don't know why and uh yeah and best director and best writer for greta gerwig as you said yeah as i as i said yeah correct um listeners i saw this a few weeks ago and well, you may already know. It's not a big a secret. I thought it was great, and I was really entranced by it. And it's sort of amazing that it got nominated for all those things because, in many ways, it's a film you might feel like you've seen before. It's a coming-of-age tale. Saoirse Ronan plays. It's uh, Christine, isn't it? Christine. Christine Ladybird, in inverted commas. The given name that she's given herself to, uh, to sort of stand out amongst the crowd. And how she goes through school. It's a Catholic school, isn't it, run by nuns, I think. Mm-hmm. And discovers boys, figures out how to have friends, maybe lose friends, try to fit in, try to find out who she is, arguments with her mother, uh, applications to college, dealing with her father's sort of lack of success and living with her um, goth brother and his girlfriend. And there's it's classic sort of teenage angst stuff, isn't it? And yet 
it feels pretty special. And in many ways, I think that makes it even more special because to stand out with an old idea is hard to do, right? Mm. Should we listen to a trailer? <laughs> Did I do too much there? No, no, I liked it. I just thought, let's, let's get the trailer. All right, here you go, listeners. Here's the trailer. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like How New York. How in the world did I raise such a Or at least snob. Connecticut or New Hampshire, where, where writers live in the woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. <laughs> Ladybird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Ladybird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. What she did was very baller. It was very anarchist. Put the magazine back! <laughs> she has a big heart, your mom. She's warm, but she's also kind of scary. You can't be scary and warm. I think you can. Your mom is. So, you're not interested in any Catholic colleges? No way. I want schools like Yale, but not Yale because I probably couldn't get in. <laughs> you definitely couldn't get in. Does mom hate me? If you're tired, we can sit down. I'm not tired. You're dragging your feet. You are so infuriated. Please stop yelling. I'm not yelling. Oh, it's perfect. Do you love it? You both have such strong personalities. When is a normal time to have sex? You're having sex? I'm ready. Just wanted it to be special. Why? You're gonna have so much unspecial sex in your life. We're afraid that we will never escape our past. Whatever we give you, it's never enough. It's never enough. It is enough. We're afraid of what the future will bring. We're afraid we won't be loved. You can't do anything unless you're the center of attention. We won't be liked. She made one bad decision in 19. Two bad decisions. And we won't succeed. I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be. What if this is the best version? What I'd really like is to be on Math Olympiad. But math isn't something you're terribly strong in. That we know of yet. It sounds like uh, the theme tune to the Wombles at the end. I was thinking more like Juno. It has that sort of vibe to it, doesn't it? The trailer anyway. I think it's better than Juno. All right, Phil, tell us. What do you think of it? So it's an interesting one because as you described it, I could kind of see exactly what you meant. You were saying amongst the ether of all these coming-of-age stories, like Juno, like, uh, well, loads of them. There's there's an endless list of them. Post being a wallflower. Exactly. All of these these classic sort of teenager on the cusp of adulthood dealing with some bigger issues and kind of opening their eyes to the wider world, coming-of-age, quite literally. And um, I could see how this one would stand out. And yet at the same time, I didn't quite buy that it gets completely out of that mildew of... Uh, milieu, do you Milieu, mean? that's mm. it, thank you. Mildew, mildew. is something yeah. slightly different, but I, I like it. I was right from no, the first No, the thing is, I quite like that. It's almost a better phrase. I get it, yeah, it's yeah. It's like, oh, I sound like Joey or something for friends. <laughs> anyway, uh, milieu, I, I, didn't, I don't feel it quite escapes into its own territory mm. because some of the ideas and the story elements are so cliche, so classic now and established as as sort of beats in a story. So that love that doesn't quite work out, the boy that you sort of chase who's not really right for you, the falling out with friends, all of that is in the movie. Um, And 
yeah, it's the subtler things which I think really elevate it to a better level that does make it stand out. But I, just, I, I don't know. It's, I, it's not quite clear cut for me mm. that it stands out as a distinctly better film than the others. I think the things which really make the film fantastic in my eye, in my eyes, is the subtlety of the performances and perhaps bigger than that still. It's the direction. I think direction of the film was bizarrely brilliant because there's so much energy and pace to these sorts of, to the scenes, to the way it's edited, to the way it's cut together. To, so that there's a whole different sort of vibe. And yet most of the time, these sort of films have a, a folksy acoustic laid back oh, yeah. atmosphere. And yet yeah, this yeah, yeah. film is driven the whole time by a sort of relentless energy that very much mirrors Lady Bird's character. So I thought in that regard, it was a great film. Well, man, I totally agree. I don't think you, Phil said, while we watched the trailer there, listeners, he was worried we we're going to disagree on this. And I completely agree, I, especially about the direction. I thought it's genuinely a treat that all the way through, the way that she chooses to block the frame to stage to shoot these scenes and the sort of ruthlessly brilliant editing keeps everything feeling alive all the time. There's not a boring angle in there. There are some functional ones, but they always serve to emphasize the drama or the people. Or It's just brilliant, isn't it? I, and she coaxes wonderful performances out of her cast as well. I think Saoirse Ronan, I basically like in everything. I don't think I've ever seen She's her She's unbelievably talent, talented, isn't she? Yeah, and it's weird because when you watch her give interviews, not only is her Irish accent very, very strong. Er, so, er, 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 er. Yeah, it's incredible. And sorry. So she does, Sorry, a great, <laughs> she does a great American accent. But also she she seems just very, very bubbly and very, very sort of normal in her personality. And yet she conveys extraordinary depth, I think, in, in these performances. And if you contrast it to her last uh, sort of Oscar film that she was involved in. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. It's worlds apart. Worlds Completely. apart. Yeah, and yet yeah. you somehow feel that in that film she's an old soul in a young body. In this film she feels so petulant and... Yeah kind of annoying and it's difficult to pay, play somebody that you sort of are still rooting for even though they're unbearably annoying and yeah. self-involved wouldn't you agree as well that the script is classy i think it's i don't think it dips into too many cliches and even when it is Do you not playing, think it does well i think even when it plays cliches for laughs or for drama it still feels real to me i didn't feel like i was seeing that many caricatures except maybe for timothee chalamet but that was okay because that was the point of his character especially when compared to the lucas hedges guy or her parents especially but interestingly i think amongst all the classic cliched elements like that we've already mentioned. I think there are some things which I haven't really seen touched upon. Her father's uh, job interview that he goes for and the revelation that comes out of that. You it's a very brief it is, moment yeah. that I really didn't see coming and I was like, oh. It's pathos. Like, it hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah <laughs> and I time. felt... And, I, and it was one of those weird sort of moments which I think in another director's hands would just be really obnoxious and... Um, they make it dewy or sickly sweet somehow or, or somehow meaningful beyond what it is yeah. and instead it's like it's an awkward moment that rings out amongst the people it affects and then it kind of goes back into the, the distance because yeah. it's not relevant to the story being told well likewise um, there's a moment where uh, what, the person involved in the drama club because Lady Bird she joins a drama club kind of because she fancies a boy in it I think is the main reason right? yeah she fancies Lucas Hedges that's right and then she does drama for a while but comes out of it but the leader the teacher who's responsible for that group also has some surprising scenes that you could say are a misfired Chekhov gun in some ways because they're not returned to but actually they are in a sort of thematically uh, they're exactly and, and and because it involves her mother as well so yeah i the other thing i just as a little bonus thing i really loved that i think is very rare in cinema these days is i really valued 
a positive um, sort of painting of the nuns, basically. There were very, very few caricatures of that sort of Catholic school thing where people are very, very strict or kind of obviously hypocritical. Actually, in most cases, they were just very nice. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And I, I was just surprised at how positive and light-hearted that side of the story was when we're so accustomed to the normal way those things the are treated. spotlight version exactly of, yeah. yeah it was i thought the film the other big selling point for the film is the the comedy is there and yet you and you know it's going to be there because you pick up on that vibe very quickly and yet somehow the comedic moments come at you quite shockingly the one which i was genuinely i couldn't it sort of built and built and built for me was um the football coach who gets involved with brilliant, the uh, brilliant with the the directing of the play yes yeah. he's, he's directing <laughs> like he would do a play it almost feels like fo- it's not going to work but it really works yeah and somehow it? Yeah. it just kept on being funny and yeah. then there's one moment where he drags his chalk across to mimic singing and i just thought that's so funny yeah it, was it brilliant. really really got got me and it's one of those things where i didn't see it's so obvious and yet you, i didn't see it coming as being an actually funny moment yeah i'm with you and didn't you also feel that the relationships and i think this is all down to screenplay meets direction meets casting meets ev- just everything basically the relationships felt very real to me especially between uh, uh lady bird and her best friend julie isn't it mm. uh, I, I really believe that even with the part where julie disappears for a while and then comes back there wasn't anything that felt particularly forced to me about that friendship even though it is a classic friendship that you see a lot in film uh, the only moment that I wasn't... In fact, the only moment in the whole film that I didn't find convincing was where they were dancing at the ball and their dancing was so, uh, we don't care what we're doing, we're dancing like uncool kids. That was too much. But I think I remember you talking about another film. I think it might have been that random German film of... Uh, Tony Erdmann. Yeah, maybe, where there's, there's the most convincing dancing you've seen on screen. No, you were, it was... Um, Oh, you're film talking stars about don't film die stars don't die. Brilliant. And you yeah. said how brilliant that was, the, the spontaneous dancing. Yeah, yeah. That. yeah, I think dancing is a very hard thing to actually put on yes. film because you cannot have it be random because actually truly random dancing is unconscious and you can't film something unconsciously. No, it's yeah. one of the, it has to be performed. Well, this, and this is why having the Billy Elliot kid in Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool managed to look like he's not someone who can actually do ballet. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, that, yeah, well, that's a different film. But yeah, you're right. That is a brilliant scene. So maybe you've got to forgive the film. It's a very small... Oh, no, I do. Ha- like I said, that was, and that, to me, that's a bright spot because there's normally more things that are not convincing. Um. We haven't really spoken about one of the bigger parts of the film, and probably this is the last thing I think I, I really need to talk yeah, about, sure. which is Laurie Metcalf, because yeah. she plays the mum, and in some ways she is the most important character in the film other than Lady Bird, um, because kind of the central conflict that is the, the thread woven through all the events of the film is the conflict between Lady Bird and her mother. It opens with them in the car listening to Grapes of Wrath. A very dramatic scene, yeah. Having cried suddenly go from nothing to fighting so, so quickly. It's a brilliant little scene which so quickly tells you exactly the, the stakes of their relationship. Mm. I thought she was very good in the film and she was... Um, often with an Oscar-nominated performance, you kind of think, oh, they're they're trying to get attention onto themselves. Actually, I think she does a brilliant job of being um, present enough that she's always noticeable, and yet at the same time, she's just one element in the film without overbearing it, if that makes sense. I completely agree. And it was a wonderful, wonderful performance. And she has a, she does get her Oscar moment, I think, towards the end of the film. There's a particular scene, I think, that a lot of people will remember mm. and take away. Very powerfully done, very convincingly done. And I think she was written very well. She's not a simple character, even though you've probably seen films where there's a mother 
who's argues a lot with her daughter and you know maybe tells the daughter to dress differently or she needs to be thinner that kind of thing right very stereotypical but relationship it's not really like that it's much better and you see glimmers of depth without it also being the cliched um, um what's it called brave film do you remember that yeah, film uh, where she t- her mother turns into a bear and then they love each other <laughs> and she turns back for a bear well the worst surprise ever in the film that one they didn't even put that in the trailers did they no they that film's terrible this is not that this is this is much smarter than that and it, it tells a big story about relationships yeah and they use the other characters in the story to flesh out that dynamic in a subtle way which is really rewarding didn't you also think the way it's shot love letters sac- to sacramento i mean the character ladybird talks about that at one point i've about- been to sacramento have you indeed and it's funny i because i i, I think it is known as a bit of a, a dud spot in california is it and um, when i was there with uh studying i people talked about it in a very nonchalant way and yet at the same time I think there's lots of charms in these places which you call home and I think the film conveys that. And that's, a, that's a worth saying because it's a skillful thing to be able to do. I'm going to give it a, a grade of a A-, minus. I think. Okay. I thought it was a very good film and I can't really see people watching it and not liking some element of it. I think it will surprise people in various different ways yeah i give it an a i really liked it and i would really happily watch it again it's got that slight holiday vibe that i love about films <laughs> lost the translation yeah you know it man <laughs> oh right there you go ladybird send us your emails on your thoughts on this oscar nominated but didn't win film superbabybrace at gmail.com at superbabybrace i tonya i was gonna watch that film oh man but i didn't so, I Laurie, feel, did I feel, you watch... I feel bad for you that you even tried that. <laughs> I, that was off the cuff. I spent literally no second thinking about it. It shows. <laughs> you don't mind me saying. Hi, <laughs> Tonya. Well, listeners, Tonya Harding, I didn't know much about, even though we were alive at the time, I think, Phil, weren't we? 1995? Yes, I was alive in 1995. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course you were. Uh, you were too. <laughs> so I'm very certain. But I didn't know what was going on at the time. don't remember my parents talking about the event. Um, I debate, Phil, whether we should say what she's really really famous for or not what do you think why don't i say what i know about her roughly having not seen the film and that way it kind of covers the big things i know she's associated with a very good skater who uh, had an injury that that was very bizarre and unexplained that made the news and things like that because of there's some duplicitous things going on involved that and then also I've heard that she was she com- did some sort of uh, a special thing in ice skating. I thought you were about to launch into it there because I had to I'd mention this to Phil because the factoid is burned in my brain. I would have been very impressed if you'd come out of this man just then. No. So she's the second woman ever to land a triple axle jump in international competition and very very few women have done it since as well like it's a a genuinely a remarkable feat some people say you know you can't imagine how difficult it is to even contemplate doing that because the risk is you just mess up your whole routine she nailed it in international competition there you go very famous very talented played uh, by margot robbie played by margot robbie in this film and it's absolutely about her life it's not just her figure skating career and the, the big events that made her famous, it's what led up to that moment. A bit of an autobiographical thing. There's the fourth wall breaking stuff where cast members talk to the camera and directly to you in some cases, even sometimes in the middle of scenes, a bit like The Big Short. I was just going to ask, she was in The Big Short well, exactly, doing that. Well, exactly, which Practice. I think was almost a shame. Audition tape. <laughs> yeah, well, like, and that, that's in there. And there's a, a sight angle here of various different perspectives on an event. And who do you trust? Are the narrators trustworthy? Are the characters trustworthy? What do we make of them? What do we make of the things they say happened versus what might have really happened? And just what do we make of it all? It's an astonishing story. Let's hear the trailer, shall we? Yes. An astonishing story. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to yeah, do a pun out yeah. of Tonya. Mm. The haters always say, Tonya, tell the truth. Tonya, I'm 
There's no such thing as truth. Everyone has their own truth. I was the best figure skater in the world at one point in time. Call that a clean skate? Stop talking to her. That girl is your enemy. Jeff was my first date ever. And my mom came. You need to see a wholesome American family. I don't have a wholesome American family. Nothing's ever your fault. I was embarrassed for you. My entire life, I've been told I wouldn't amount to anything. You know what? Maybe I would. Never could believe the things you do to me. 4.8. How do I get a fair shot here? We also judge on presentation. We're gonna leave it even the playing field. I know a guy shouldn't even be saying his name. Derek. The press wanted me to be the pile of crap. I never did this. What is going on? We're with the FBI. They know something. What can you tell us about Tanya Harding? I don't know a Tony Harding. <laughs> Aren't you her bodyguard? As a kid, did you ever love me? I made you a champion, knowing you'd hate me for it. That's the sacrifice a mother makes. He cursed me. America, they want someone to love, but they want someone to hate. I mean, come on! What kind of friggin' person bashes in their friend's knee? Who would do that to a friend? That. You know, I think that trailer really gives you quite an indication of the way this film is because it's got a rock soundtrack. Can I use a word? Okay. <laughs> it's ballsy. <laughs> well, you've used it. There it is. I hope but that's you know, clean, man, like it... bouncy balls. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Don't, sorry. Don't sorry. Just stop talking. <laughs> sorry, carry stop on. Stop right now. <laughs> it's truer than you know, man, because this film is a bit like a magic trick. And honestly, I can't really sort it out in my head how it achieves what it achieves because... Uh, let me tell you, listeners, this film has a lot of unpleasant stuff in it. Like, there are beatings, there's domestic abuse, there's awful language, there's psychological uh, sort of abuse, and there's horrible disrespect and hatred and broken relationships and all kinds of awful things that happen with Tonya Harding, Margot Robbie Wright in the centre of it all. And yet, the film is edited and scripted directed soundtrack in such a way that there's this kind of pulsating energy to everything so that instead of you kind of being chilled to the bone <laughs> by some of the things you're seeing you kind of uh, i don't know they really don't quite know how to express it it's you, almost like the ridiculousness of the whole situation has is present and well, yet doesn't take away from the the nasty bit yeah that's right and you, you detach from it because what you do and the film encourages you to do this with some of the fourth wall breaking moments as well instead you view these people and you think how on earth did any of them survive this and how on earth like how could this even be possible mm. and this and i think survive is the big word like people do survive through this stuff and tonya harding emerges absolutely as a survivor no matter what you think of her she has survived she did survive extraordinary things terrible things 
And it's just very, very impressive. It's exactly the kind of film that could lose its balance and it could become horrible or it could become exploitative or terribly, or terribly taste. sad. Yeah, poor taste. Or it could become a bit sort of slocky and a bit, oh, feel-good story. You know, there, there's so many different ways it could have gone where it could have gone wrong. And somehow it walks an incredible tightrope so that it all holds in balance everything that's going on. It's pacey. It's got real pathos. It's really moving in some places. I wept, man, as I seem to do in almost every film. These <laughs> those <days>. leaky tears. <laughs> Seriously. You've got to get somebody to look at those. <laughs> it's just... And all the performances are on point. They're terrific. And what's even more amazing about it, and I don't want to spoil this really, I don't think this is spoiling it, is to say that they seem like caricatures, especially Alison Jenny, who plays Lavonna Golden, who is Tony Harding's mother, who's kind of horrible. She drives her really, really hard. And every time you think you're about to see a soft side, she hardens it up and... What's so strange is he does these interviews to the camera with a little parrot on her shoulder who she talks to and she just says these absurd things you can't believe someone would say and you kind of start to inwardly dismiss it as dramatic license and part of the old cocktail of the film. Mm. Then it shows you a video clip of her real mother with a parrot on her shoulder that she talks to <laughs> and you, your eye, like my jaw sort of dropped. Same goes for this guy, Sean Eckert, who was a self-appointed bodyguard of Tonya Harding who gets wrapped up in all this sort of stuff and who maintains he's a counter-terrorist expert. You Like, it's... Just know, this is one of those things where they say real life is stranger, yeah, stranger than fiction. So... I think it's a really astonishing piece of filmmaking. And Margot Robbie nearly... I mean, she in some ways, she should steal the show. She should really have been in with a chance of Best Actress. I really don't think Frances McDormand deserved it this year. Saoirse Ronan and Margot Robbie, both far superior. And Margot Robbie, you know, gone is... What's the... Harley Quinn, is she in Suicide Squad? Yeah, and she Vanished. was in uh, Big Wolf Short, of Wall She's Street. gone Wolf of Wall Street. I haven't seen, not particularly keen to see... She just inhabits this version of Tonya Harding so much so that you even forgive the scenes where she's supposedly playing a 15-year-old and it's just Margot Robbie in a short wig <laughs> with braces. But right. she's just, she is just brilliant and it's great visionary casting. She she really nails it, even though she doesn't look like Tonya Harding really. And that, that goes into something that I think is worth saying, even though I don't really know quite the right way to say it either, is that I was really impressed by what I perceived to be the lack of male gaze in this film. So right. Margot Robbie burst onto the scene in Wolf of Wall Street, where I believe she spends most of her time not wearing clothes. Am I she's right? not a massive speaking character. Fine. Right. And yeah. and then she's in a big short and a bubble bath, right? Which I just didn't get that. I didn't really like it. She was also in About Time and played the love interest. Yeah, yeah sure, he, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. But in this film, she's she's in ice skating outfits, right? The kind of the skirt ends at the hips, Your legs right? are flailing everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And yet it's really quite it's one thing that's brilliant about it is that this film if you tried to have male gaze it would beat you to, it would beat you into the ground <laughs> what are you with doing it? with that because yeah. it's ridiculous to even contemplate thinking like that because it is so not about margot robbie as a you know an attractive Beautiful like, person woman, yeah. not at all it's entirely about the people and the character the determination the survival instincts and the power and the grace that is part of this sport so I was blown away by just about everything. Can you tell, Phil? I yeah, I've, you, you, listeners, you can't see Laurie clench his fist and just <laughs> gesticulate. Yeah, yeah, he's going all out. I like was, a figure skater of podcasting. <laughs> I wish I could figure skate. I can do the crossover term. I can't do no, anything you else. Can't. Uh, and I just think it's great. The, the, the sort of technicals of filming the ice skating is impressive as well because 
it's pretty convincing that it's Margot Robbie doing it. I'm sure it's composite CGI stuff to yeah, put yeah. her face on a skater in most of the scenes. Um, but it looks great and it looks sort of fierce. The sound design, really, you can feel the ice being carved up and the athleticism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could and, do it. I could be then, a fairly artist. I'd like to add that Sebastian Stan, brilliant in this film. Listeners, you probably don't know that name, but I think you might have seen films with him in. You will have seen him if you've seen Captain America Civil War. He plays the Winter Soldier. He's the guy with the long curtain hair who is a little bit troubled in those films. And he's also in Gossip Girl. Very good, Phil. Yeah, nice. And uh, he's got a slightly sort of this weird face where you feel quite sympathetic to him. And he does seem charming. And yet he can switch it around and be a manipulative, horrible guy in the same scene. I, I was really impressed by the depth of his performance and the comedy of it as well. It's it's quite a skill to manage to turn a character like that into someone you almost weirdly attempted to feel sympathy for and laugh at, despite the things that he's doing. So great performances all around. The one performance I don't think you've really gone into detail, and you described it being very bizarre, but Alison Janey, man, she won the uh, yeah. Best Supporting Actress. Well, deservedly. I mean, it's a powerhouse performance. There's a part of me that thinks... It's a lot to do with the fact that this woman is the way she is and the way that it's written. But Alison Janney inhabits her 100%. So it's, you know, we're talking about Gary Oldman as Churchill. This is the same thing, just with less prosthetics. <laughs> and, yeah, and better, apparently. And like sh- extra- <laughs> extraordinary presence. I mean, I love Alison Janney, man. Ever since Ten Things I Hate About You, where she's the principal. She's also uh, uh, CJ in uh, The West Wing. Yeah. Great performance there. And she's also the stepmom of Juno. Yeah, exactly. Who wants to get a dog or a cat, but can't because she's alert. Yeah, yeah, she's brilliant. She's got a, a amazing delivery, incredible timing, and she's got a lot of power when she wants it. It's one uh, of those. She's one of those actresses that you kind of assume would get an Oscar at some point. A bit yeah. like Frances McDormand. Does she have one already for Fargo? I don't know. I think so. But like you know, it's like oh yeah, they've got an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's not like a big like oh wow they managed. Oh good job. If no. you watch it, you'll get it because she she does play her with hidden depths, but they're. You can't tell whether they're really there or not, which is exactly the whole point of her character. So there's no sort of, there's no capitulating to the easy way out for the character. She plays her very solidly. So deserved Oscar, certainly, I think. And to be honest, this is, I, the final thing I want to say, and this film incidentally is another A from me. I think it's brilliant. I really think it's deserving of the acclaim it's got. I think it's a far superior film to Three Billboards, obviously. I think it's a far superior film to Shape of Water, actually. Uh, even though I think the craft really? on that one is terrific. I think... This is just, this has got so much energy and pace that I will watch this again. I probably won't bother with Shape of Water again because I know what happens. Do you know what I mean? Interesting. But yeah, I'd like to add that Tatiana S. Regal was nominated uh, for the editing Oscar for this film. Absolutely should have got it because like I'm talking about the balance. None of it would have been possible if the film was baggy or too sort of ruthless. It's perfectly edited. So yeah, that was an Oscar that should have happened. And you know, Dunkirk... What? I mean, this is the film that cuts between an hour, three days, whatever. Who cares? That shouldn't have won the editing Oscar. So it's technically um, amazing because it's rising tension. Tension <laughs> just keeps rising. on rising. Extraordinary tension rising. <laughs> We've got to play that game. I, I listened to uh, Desert Island Discs. This oh, is yeah. completely aside now. Well, actually, tell us the grade first and then I'll tell you about my... I told you already. A. A, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Superbellybros at gmail.com at Superbellybros if you've seen it. I think it's great. Go see it. Plus ones or minus ones to Laurie if you agree or disagree and do get uh, your thoughts in. We love to hear them. But... I did listen to Christopher Nolan um, uh, on Desert Island Discs after we made fun of him. I bet he was great, you know. He was he was sort of okay. I found him a little bit 
thin actually oh, i was less impressed that, Phil, that's just what is it grist to my mill or whatever the phrase is i don't know <laughs> where are you from chaucer i do um, want, i want to say because actually someone mentioned to me and i meant to say this in the intro someone assumed that i don't like christopher nolan that's not true i think uh, what he does he's brilliant my thing with christopher nolan is i think people give him far too much credit as a master filmmaker i think we, yeah. i really like his films but Prestige, i think they're much more film, yeah they're much more straightforward than people think they are that's and i think he knows that christopher nolan is aware of that he's an entertainer at heart i think i don't think he is trying to transform cinema or be super deep i think he's just someone who gets a huge amount of freedom and uses it basically I've, i'm sorry i've ended up piggybacking the uh, i tonya yes, with some have. random yes, christopher nolan thoughts but i just made me yeah it sparked but up and I, well you've given me the chance to say i do think He's very good at what he does, and I don't think he deserves all the accolades he gets. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Oscars, 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 it's time to talk awards. <laughs> Phil, did you watch Jimmy Kimmel host the show? No, I didn't. I didn't do it that because it's really late and I've got other stuff to do. Oh, interesting. No, let's not do this. <laughs> this is, you can't see us. We're both doing our arms. You have in to the, do the jig. Is that, do you remember that game from um, Hoedown? In yeah, the, I, have you ever played that in real life? No. That is a I, game worth trying. It's very hard all those games are really hard anyway that's beside the point <laughs> listeners the oscars they've happened did you agree did you disagree get your thoughts in right at the very front yeah if you agreed with it disagreed with it who you thought was the biggest shock or blah 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 blah. all the stand stuff we'd like to hear what you thought of it we're just going to run through really quickly very very brief the There's big headlines of what we found from the evening i'm glad three billboards didn't take best picture or best director i was surprised shape of water did yeah, I don't think it was the best film. I thought I'm absolutely... Well, we did our predictions, didn't we? I just thought it wouldn't happen. But then I've been thinking about it more and more. And actually, it kind of seems obvious now because a film... I think we did mention this. A film like Three Billboards, it might get number one for about 30 40% of the audience who vote for the Academy Award. But then after that, I think people really love it or they hate it. And often the films that do well at the Oscars are the ones which are... Like the best second places. Yeah, of the way because, they the votes, because right? of the way they yeah. do the votes. It's like your first pick gets knocked out and then your second pick, you add the votes of that. And it's like, it's a, it's a sort of knockout system. To be fair, system. if it was a top three game, Shape of Water would have been there for me. I think it was, you know, Phantom Thread. Actually, it wouldn't be. Phantom Thread, I, Tonya and Lady Bird were my top I, three. I think Phantom Thread was... Uh, a far superior film oh, yeah. in 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 what it was doing and how it was doing it. I thought Paul Thomas Anderson is a brilliant director. But I'm really chuffed that, uh, what's her name, Guillermo del Toro? One. Yeah, I yeah, think that's great. I mean, great. he directed that film amazingly and it's much flashier than um, uh, The Phantom Thread, as it were, even though I think the direction, both show incredible judgment, I would say. You know, I, the biggest disappointment for me actually was probably the score, Alexandre Desplat. I don't think the Shape of Water score deserved it. I think we. I even it's very charming. It. I like the music. Yeah, but it was too. It was too obvious. I felt like it was really obvious, and he's done so many scores like that. But it's then not... maybe that's kind of what I'm starting to be- suspect from the Oscars Uh-oh. because I didn't find it that hard to pick. I didn't win in my little game that I play with some of my American think... buddies. Oh, really? But I did send. Uh, I sent your my thoughts predictions to the Twitter thing. I don't know if I did that badly, and I rather than going for what I thought genuinely was the best or worst or whatever. I kind of just thought, what would the Academy like? And I kind of got it right in general most of the time, I reckon. Yeah, well, you and I both did fairly well. I think I did slightly better than you. So I oh. said... <laughs> oh, convenient. Just slip that in. You thought director would be Paul Thomas Anderson. Incorrect. Uh, you thought best actor would be Daniel Day-Lewis. Incorrect. Uh, you also thought supporting actor would be Laurie Metcalf. Incorrect, Phil. So there's three down on uh, LJB. What I'm saying here. is those are the times when I thought I'll go with what I felt should have won. Yeah, you'd also you got Dunkirk right though on editing. Exactly. 
Mm. Okay, well, I won't Why go through the whole intention? thing. <laughs> it's such a good quote. It's a funny, it's a funny it's thing to say. Listen, try it at home. It's the way that he says it as well. Right. I'll find intention. it. I will find it, and I'll put it on at the end of the show this time around. Uh, but, you know, I, the other thing that people are talking about the Oscars is the kind, the way, the stuff that got said, the way it was hosted... It's such a Eurovision Song Contest thing these days, isn't it? Because you have to address everything. You can't avoid anything in the world, apparently. But you also can't go too much so that you risk Except the stage your, was your definitely massive too audience. much. Yeah, the big crystal thing, right? And I, I don't know, listeners, did any of you watch it? I even checked on the TV and I couldn't see anywhere obvious to watch it. And so I thought, well, I'm not staying it's up. Los Angeles, mate. It's not going to be on at a reasonable hour. But it would, even if it was, I didn't even see it on the schedule at three in the morning or whatever. So I, maybe I'm just looking at the wrong shows. That All you really need to do is see the highlights, see the winners. And the one winner that I was really, really chuffed to see was Roger Deakins. Deaky, yeah. Deaky Deeks. <laughs> MC Deeks. Uh, he, he won finally for cinematography after being nominated a gazillion times. 14 times, I think, yeah. Uh, he finally got the claim that he really deserves and um i remember i didn't i haven't seen his speech yet but i remember reading somewhere somebody commented of how humble the guy came across and how grateful he was to the team that's why he keeps getting you know, exactly it's the guy. sign of a guy who's Consulate really pro. professional guy he knows how to work as a team work in the industry and the fact that he's still producing amazing visual films at the age that he's at yeah Fair yeah, play to him. Well I mean, done. It's, yeah, and it, for all that we, I didn't particularly like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It was beautifully shot. There's no denying that. And he did a lot with bizarre sort of landscapes and CGI to make it feel very real. <laughs> What's really bad though is in that film, the one shot that's stuck in my head more so than any other is just like Ryan Gosling in all loads of orange smoke. <laughs> like, yeah, well that's, that's the, one the that's only image in my head that it's I've got, the posters, isn't and it's really? like that's not really that hard to do. Is it? You know what I mean? I know, it's, but it, yeah, it's just one of those saying. things. But I know he's an absolute legend, and I've always thought I've, the number of times when I thought, "Oh, this is a really lovely shot," and then I realise it's Roger Deakins. Yeah. That's, the guy's a pro. Yeah, although I, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson in cinematography in that film was pretty awesome. So yeah. to beat out that film is also impressive as well. The other big one I was really pleased to see was uh, Jordan Peele getting yes. Get Out. Yeah, as best, best screenplay. Best screenplay. That's a really big one to get, and I thought. Well, I haven't been nominated as best director for best picture as well. I mean, how much better can it get? For, like, <laughs> well, for he could win everything. Couldn't he? <laughs> well, you but know what I mean. Yeah, it's one of those awards. Quentin Tarantino. I think he didn't. He didn't win for Pulp Fiction, but he got best original screenplay. It's one of those things which means kind of it's a great a green light for whatever project you go on to do yeah right and the guy seems really creative and he's produced a really really interesting standout film from way way back that still made it a winner in the oscars that's great yeah i'm completely with you i was and you know he just seems delighted he seems like overjoyed which is exactly how you want someone to respond in that case and not become so po-faced and talk about how important it is even though he knows it is important, he just seems really delighted, which is brilliant. And I, I can't wait to see what the guy does next. Uh, what do you think? The final thing, Dunkirk, it won all the soundy things, didn't it? Sound mixing, whatever. Won best editing, which I've already said, I don't think was quite right, really. Uh, it just doesn't surprise me. It okay. just it, it, like, If it was going to win anything, it was going to win those ones. And I think... I, to be fair, I don't. I never really like the mixing in any of Christopher Nolan's films. He doesn't seem to it's play by the conventional this is our rules. Thing. It's too much but rising tension. The sound, the sound, actual sound of the gunshots was unlike anything I've ever seen. And in the IMAX theatre, yeah, I told you in my review for Dunkirk, I was sat next to a woman who was literally jumping out of her seat every time <laughs> there's a gunshot. Even after like four or five gunshots, she was oh, 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 oh. Like she was having a, she was like she was on a roller coaster yeah. and I was on it. <laughs> I just sat next to her. I mean, you know, I was gripped in those opening moments as well. And the sound def, I mean, he spoke about it, didn't he? I think one thing I will give him certainly is I think he is really involved and fascinated 
by the sound that in films and he always works hard to use them i think the problem is i think he may be over steps sometimes and so dictates a bit too much and that's why all his films sound the same with Hans Zimmer I think well it's interesting that you mentioned that sorry to go backwards listeners this is not very well planned but in the Desert Island Disc thing that he did do he mentioned I think it was the Thin Red Line yeah as Hans being Zimmer. the one of the best scores that he's ever heard and did it's you entirely, listen to the track yeah it's entirely minimalist and it's just it, like it, literally it is the score to Dunkirk it's literally the score it's to all of his movies except in for Interstellar like yeah. there's elements of all of his scores from that film and if that's his kind of model I don't think you're ever going to get Hans Zimmer score that you're going to like Laurie when I love and this is the other thing as well I love Hans Zimmer like the score he did to we can't this is not the Oscars anymore the score he did to the Kung Fu Panda trilogy Phil like no, the way you're saying it and then you say Kung Fu Panda but it's a it's absolutely beautiful you love those movies Lion far King, too much Last Samurai he is he's a master and the more I watched interviews uh, with him for that feature that never saw the last. the more day, you felt I really I can't do it to the he's guy. so humble and he is someone he works really hard to give the director what he wants and he starts from the ground every time whereas John Williams brilliant master always a John Williams score isn't it mm. whereas Hans Zimmer will reinvent himself for the purposes of the director in some ways I wish he'd elevate himself a bit more because I think musically he knows his he business. should be able to steer the ship a bit yeah yeah exactly all right Final thing. are you, are you, are you uh, sad at all uh, beauty and the beasts uh, bargain basement fancy dress shop costumes didn't win the award that was nominated for no no, no i didn't no. even think what did win phantom thread must have won absolutely it did of course yeah. that was one of those ones which the I'm best like, dressed man in the I film i didn't even think about it because i just thought that if they don't but then then Gary Oldface <laughs> wins it. He got Kazuhiro Tsuji out of retirement to do it, man. And he's a legend and he nailed it. We've got to stop talking, haven't we? Yeah. Okay, Phil, time to resurrect a feature at the request of the Pixel Bro email to come later on. Um, but there's not really enough time to do it properly. So I... <laughs> oh, it's a good sign. <laughs> well, it's going to happen. So listeners, you need to think of this more as like a little fun tease for a feature that will come up again. Maybe we'll try and make it semi-regular or something. That'd be fun. What I said to Phil was that the, the hypothesis is that movie love speeches sound great when the camera work, the actors and the music all combine. And you think, wow, this is the most meaningful thing ever. But if you take them out of that context, put a different voice to them, maybe no soundtrack, do they actually stand up? as the love speech. So they actually stand up as something that people would ever say to each other and that people would fall for each other with. Mm. And we use the example from that original Spider-Man film when he talks to MJ and says, you feel weaker and stronger at the same time. But you know what kind of man you want to be? <laughs> Ridiculous. But she loves it. She absolutely loves it. And uh, I'm, the, the point is, I'm going to play it to Phil and he needs to try and guess the film it's from. And we all just have a And then we time. also see if it's effective. Yeah, exactly. Does it make me so, swoon? As I said, Phil, this was an idea I had too fast and there was not enough time. So this is a stupid one. And I do apologise, but I think you'll be able to guess. And I'll just be really curious to see how the text-to-speech robot deals with it. you ready? Yeah. A CIA with you, Arthur, Aragorn. You are Leah, you are Nin. Rinuchai Luai Erugavanam. Nothing I net all Rinin. Gwen Winin you are Nichin Neath I see Selich. Rinichai Beth I Penman. I know where it's from already. That's so bad. Stupid. The stupid flipping. Uh, you've done Elvish in a text to speech thing. That's the most dumb thing ever, Laurie. Why have you done that? Well, because I thought it might be funny. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Listen, that was from Lord of the Rings. And yeah. that's when Aragorn. Can you guess which one it was from? It's the first one, I'm guessing. <laughs> Yeah, it's when uh, they're on the and the music's all like, oh, yeah, 
film. I mean, I would appreciate it if you take this a bit more seriously. Could you play the music I underneath very while you play the words? Says, so <laughs> maybe if we put the, maybe if we just add a little bit of a, a winning condition. What are the actual words that so they it, say? Let me tell you what it actually says. And I'm afraid there was a line in there from Aragorn as well. I know so. that was what ticked me off. Well, no, that was when she says his name. So here we go. So the shadow does not hold sway yet. Literally, till now the shadow not masters Aragorn, not over you and not over me. Uh, do you remember the time when we first met? Aragorn, I thought I'd strayed into a dream. <laughs> and then she, <laughs> Long years have passed. You did not have the cares you carry now. And then it ends with, do you remember the word I told you? So it's actually not a very good speech. So I apologize. <laughs> but it's in, it's in a very romantic scene, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's so romantic. Oh, yeah, oh, they're like touching each other's face. No, I, I always find choose, those actually a bit I uncomfortable. a mortal life. It's too intense. Yeah, it's very, it's like literally she's and saying, she I'd rather like die. toast in the morning. She's like, <laughs> the butter... <laughs> I will have some jam. Or then, <laughs> Flip it, Arwen. Come on. It's just too much. And, and he would be the same as well. So I liked right. it. I, I think Arwen is best when she's being a little bit like... Come and claim him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I don't need nine. No, and all the water horses come. It's That's great. Right. Great times. That's a good moment. And also, her riding is great when yeah. all the ring race come. Yeah. Undeniable. Frodo. <laughs> Poor Frodo. What a useless lump he is. Maybe okay, we can play a little clip from no, her. No, no, no. We've got to move on. This is supposed to be brief and silly. But <laughs> listeners, there you go. Were you moved by that? Did the robots convince you? Were the words <laughs> so very well written? I would that really, the love really love resounded it. resounded in every syllable. That is the goal and that is the game. I would really, really love it if we found something that actually was genuinely moving, even in a robot That's voice. the point. No, but can it be found? That's can it be thing. found? Send in your suggestions to Laurie because that way he can put it That's in. That's true and I'll quiz Phil with him. I won't, yeah. Don't tell him. I mean, if they send the email, you'll see it as well. I, I, I sort of let my email experience be a bit of a surprise on the show. Oh, I like the authenticity of my reaction. To CC. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> a CI with you, Arthur, Eric Warren. You are Leah, you are Nin. Renuchai Luai Erugavanam. Northern Nine Adolrinam. When winning in an app. You are Nechin Nithai C. Selich. Renuchai Bethai Penan. What have we been watching this week? Yo, this is the time when we tell you what's on the streaming services and you could maybe check it out in your own time. Not just streaming services, though, is it? It's just old films. Old DVDs. films that aren't like on the cinema release schedule, but probably the reason why we watched this because we found it on Netflix or Amazon or TV, Prime. I set the recorder or on Film 4 yeah, or something like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's different ways of catching it, but I'm sure you'll be able to find these films some way or somehow. Tell us what you think, listeners. Phil, what's up for you? Fracture. 97% conviction rate. Impressive. Then I just don't like to lose. Juicy private sector job. Pretty soon you'll be courtside at Laker games. Are you alone? Do I know you? Nikki Gardner, your new boss. Oh. <laughs> what about closing out your old job? It's done. Don't worry about it. You're home early. I love you. I know. Does he? Shots fired. Hostage situation. Your wife, is she here? I shot her. You shot your wife? I got the gun. I shot her in the head. Be careful with this guy. There's something not right about him. I go in there with a signed confession, and I put this guy in jail. All right, I'm from the district attorney's office. You look closely enough, and you'll find everything has a weak spot where it can break. Sooner or later. You're looking for mine. I've already found yours. <laughs> yeah. Is it safe to say that someone 
who inflicted this kind of wound intended to kill. Yeah, I wish to object. This is getting out of hand. The gun, it's no good. What do you mean the gun's no good? Never been fired. No prints, no weapon, no blood. The guy's screwing with us. You lose, I guarantee you your shiny new job will not be waiting for you. This thing was a setup. Confession, everything. You haven't actually proved anything. What are you doing? He's just enjoying all of this. Someone's got to put him away. You're trespassing, Willie. Not the smartest move. They can have you arrested. Ah, poetic. I'm not gonna play games with you. I'm afraid you have to hold sport. Did you just say, be careful about this guy? There's having not right just about heard, him. yeah, there's something <laughs> not right about him. But he literally just said, "I've just shot my wife." <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of caliber of this off, movie. It? It's a kind of a tip. Just off be a little bit careful. He is a murderer. Just yeah. be careful. Watch your back a little bit. Um, this film stars Ryan Gosling and Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins plays a brilliant engineer of sorts who seems, or something, maybe, seems yeah. to be a sort of brilliant mind who uh, discovers that his wife is having an affair and then seemingly shoots well you get told very quickly that he has killed her uh, in a very odd way in a very bizarre set of circumstances and it's all designed basically uh, as a as a way of getting his revenge but he's thought about every single angle so that he's going to get off scot-free enter ryan gosling as believe it or not listeners willie that's his name and he's a hotshot uh, prosecutor who's just suddenly uh finishing his time as the da assistant da or something like that and he's got a high-flying job as a as a lawyer man but he needs to clear his books before he can go to his new job and the last case he has it seems like an open and shut case he's got a guy who's confessed to the murder a murder weapon blah blah blah, blah. everything seems to be playing out but the case is anthony hopkins and what happens is you get a kind of cat and mouse game where they're trying to outsmart each other he's defending himself anthony hopkins isn't he yeah and he's he's very confident that he can outsmart this guy willie who's just trying to get through it um it sounds like a really really good idea for a movie that really you think would be full of tension and lots of one man upship in in between the two leads and yet actually it kind of starts to fracture Oh, look at what he did there. Using the film's own title against it. Oh, <laughs> falling on her own sword. And that's kind of the level of smartness that the film goes for. <laughs> Do you think like, so? it genuinely seems to think like, oh, you didn't realise. Well, and some of it you might have heard in the trailer. It that Basically, Anthony Hopkins, his performance is solid, except for his accent, which you can't tell if it's Irish or American. It's just sort of vaguely not his normal voice. Yeah. Um, but you can't really buy into the idea that he's super smart because he doesn't really ever do anything that's that smart. And it might be a product of its time that it came out, 2007, I think it was when it came out. And um, you've got seemingly a guy who thinks he's very smart but doesn't seem to ever do anything that smart against the guy who seems like a bit of an idiot. Ryan Gosling just seems like a bit dopey and not so cool. It's before he's made his leading man status, I think, definite and assured. You know, he's, this is early in his career, yeah. definitely. And um, it, it just makes for a very odd mix of things that kind of leaves you a little bit, oh, this doesn't taste as good as I thought. It's sort of, it seems to have the right elements and yet nothing seems to be working and it doesn't seem to take place in any of the ways that you think. They have a court trial where you think that what all the one-man up shit would happen and yet that kind of falls apart and then it kind of picks up some new elements and then that kind of fades away. But having said all of that, I did find the ending quite quite satisfying. Right at the very end, it suddenly gets a little bit smarter, but it's an odd ride, a very odd ride for a thriller and it's a very unusual one. I'm surprised that Anthony Hopkins, the actor that he is, Sir Anthony Hopkins, I think it is, I'm surprised he would go for it. So 
overall for me, I think the film would probably get a B. Interesting. Minus. I think I probably agree minus. with you on the grade in terms of enjoyment because I watched this a while ago and I came away thinking I didn't really enjoy that. It's not very pleasant because a mystery like this, you know, if it's a horrible thing, then the fun is in the person unraveling the mystery, you know, setting things to rights, getting to the core of it. And whereas, as you're probably right, it's not clever enough that those moments really buoy up the rest of the film, which is just quite nasty, really. And it's horrible. Everyone's not a nice person in it. Which what I will say is all the little tricks that he does, I kind of guess within the first half an hour there you go. how he would do it. Did you not think Ryan Gosling was really good as this guy? I, I was really quite impressed by his performance and I really liked the sort of workman uh, aspect of law in this. It's not very glamorous. Like the scene where he takes on Anthony Hopkins' case, it's very like, it's almost like being in a marketplace or on Wall Street or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do and know I, what you I mean. liked that and I liked seeing the way that prosecution related to police in a sort of a different angle. There's a moment where Ryan Gosling just gets furious and says, find me a bullet, right? Isn't that right? Or find me a gun. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed that sort of interplay, but overall I agree with you. You're great. Sorry, yeah. that's my little... little <laughs> thanks thanks for end. that extra thing. <laughs> Laurie has not been watching that this week, but you would no, think he months had. months and months ago. <laughs> uh, and mine is new sci-fi thriller, Mute. Do you know what it is to make your dreams come true, Leo? I've seen you working downstairs. You're a good man. Should not punch customers. I don't deserve you, Leo. I love you so much, but you don't know me. I want to know what the deal is with this crazy bartender. Sure you want our help with this? This kind of thing hurts my reputation. Daddy's gotta go. Oh, no soda. Your girlfriend has secrets. You lost me. Take a hint. Not very talkative. <laughs> Something's going on. You need to maintain a sense of humor, babe. You gonna give me some uh, trouble, big boy? Or are you gonna channel that famous Amish serenity? <laughs> something this is gonna stop right now it ain't a secret anymore would you do anything for her say your story why the hell can't he talk he doesn't need words you didn't know what was going on in that trailer film no, is, is, is he a guy? Well, I didn't hear the main guy, I don't think. Alexander Skarsgård. Correct, yeah. Alex, yeah. Alex Skarsgård plays Leo, who is mute. He's Amish as well. And this is all set He's in... Amish. Yes, he is. In near future Berlin is, I believe, or the way they described it. Which, of course, is where Doug Jones spent a lot of his youth. Yeah, right. And so did David Bowie, his father, right? And yeah, that's so, why Doug Jones Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, so I did, just in case. Oh, funny to see you here. I didn't man, expect to see you. <laughs> Hi, Dad. Just bumped into each other. I can't believe that there isn't some kind of remembering for him about nostalgia and he's talked a lot about it Duncan Jones is this weird cultural place that's so diverse and extremes of all kinds are there I think anyway unless I'm misquoting him which I probably am sorry about that and the film is essentially he's got a girlfriend that he really really likes and she seems to like him and they both work at the same bar together one day she goes missing 
and he tries to find her. And along the way, he, of course, has to go into the seedy underbelly of the local area in Berlin. And it's sort of set in the future, isn't it? I just said, yeah, near future Berlin. And he meets all kinds of criminals and weird people. And he's really trying to hunt her down. It would appear she has some kind of hidden past. And I think if you were listening to the trailer, the rest of it probably fills it in for you. Listeners, this film is a terrible disappointment. Within five minutes, you know something's wrong. And that's troubling, isn't it? This It has the feel... I'm sorry to say this because I really like Moon and Source Code, but it has the feel of an amateur production. The acting is poor. The editing is just wrong. It's at no pace whatsoever. It's confusing. Scenes come out of nowhere. The dialogue doesn't work, doesn't make sense. Even when Paul Rudd turns up, veteran, who really does his best to axe his socks off, and he actually is the best thing in the film, I just didn't buy it. I didn't know who he was or what he was doing or what his backstory was. Nothing about the film works, makes sense, and everything is grimy and grotty and horrible. It's really unpleasant all the way through from start to finish and only gets increasingly horrible the more you learn about the characters, especially Justin Theroux's character who plays this guy who does like uh, prosthetic limbs for people, who's the best friends with Paul Rudd's character, who it turns out incidentally was an ex-army surgeon who now works for the mob doing surgery for them. And it, right, is, okay. it is a mess. It, nothing about it is enjoyable or well-made, except occasionally the camera work is pretty good. But so that, yeah. What's, what's happened here then? I think it's a Netflix production, isn't it? I think Duncan Jones did Warcraft, didn't he? Which not very many people liked, but it made a lot of money. He's done Moon, which everyone liked because it's great and really smart and well-made. Source Code, high-tension action thriller, right? With mm, Jake Gyllenhaal. Which also, works, works. Really, really good film. I think they've just said, do what you want, mate. Do what you want, Duncan Jones. And you've got free reign. We're Netflix. We're not going to throw the studio heavies at you. Be free. And he has spoken about this being a spiritual sequel or spiritual successor to Moon. But is it part of the same universe? And it's a story he's wanted to tell for ages. But Apparently it was real... before Moon and everything. He's yeah, had yeah, the yeah. idea for this film. He's and... had real problems getting it made. All I wonder why. It's just so bad. It's really, really bad and unenjoyable in every conceivable way. I challenge anyone to enjoy it, except the only way I can see that you would enjoy it is because you like Duncan Jones, as I do. And Mm. so you want it to be good in the same way that I found things to enjoy about Warcraft, which is just bad. (laughs) And this is worse than Warcraft. Far, far worse. Do you think this is the uh, end of his filmmaking career? No, I think it will hurt him, though, because... If he talks about it as a passion project and he's had a lot of creative control and his last film was Warcraft, which wasn't a tour de force exactly, then what, what's next? You know, he's got to go back to small indie budgets, a bit like M. Night Shyamalan, right? And impress everyone again. Go back into the, the depths of his previous work. I think he just needs good editors, basically, or, and good people around him. And it, it seems like he didn't have it this time. Well, there you go. So uh, yeah, in terms of uh, C minus, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. And that's on Netflix now, so you could, if you've got a Netflix account, check it out. It's called Mute. And I'm sure Laura would like to have confirmation that he's not completely crazy. I'd like to know if I'm wrong as well. Because I'd like to know that I've misunderstood and there's something to enjoy here. But, you know, the other thing that really annoyed me about it is I watched Altered Carbon, which is Netflix's other sci-fi series, huge budget. You said I've I've been watching it and I haven't. Yeah, and the thing is, I don't know what's wrong with the world. (laughs) It's a bit too big a topic. But I don't understand why sci-fi these days has to always end up in the worst sort of criminal underbellies. It's like we can't imagine any kind of futuristic society 
that isn't perfect that doesn't include brothels or it's because it's like the murder, most i think you no know, what is the deal with that i think that's to do with the idea that it's something which you can relate to because even I though know, things, know, even though the other circumstances change crime doesn't change or right. something like that you know and so it's like a very you can like keep the vices things, of humanity remain the same yeah and so you can keep things very much the same but you have this new fresh paint but not the core fundamentals of it haven't changed. Except it's not the same because everyone's horrible and everything's horrible. I think I think it's done because people are convinced that this kind of gritty stuff that's horrible is somehow more meaningful or more powerful as a storytelling device. And I loathe that, as you well know, Phil. It's why the futurism in her, I think, is so good because it, it makes the future somewhere interesting and not completely rosy tinted. It's still got some humanity to it, but it's a completely different sort of version of the future love her anyway we've sidetracked about also two different frank. things anyway yeah uh okay that's it what we've been watching over right yeah if you've got thoughts and plus ones and minus ones if you agree or disagree with what the films blah 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 blah, blah you know the deal email the show superbabybrace at gmail.com or you can tweet us at superbabybrace laurie can you do the email song for me please 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 emails 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 the elect Electronic form of communication that swept the world. Let's hear some now. Mine's not very rhythmic. Oh, suddenly you're not very happy about it, are yeah. you? I could hear you. I could literally watch in your eyes, listeners. I think it would have been a treat for you. Laurie literally started that really, really confident. I'm going to smash this. It's going to be the best thing ever. No, I did not. And as it went on, I think you kind of thought, oh, this, 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 I keep going, but I don't want to keep going. <laughs> Is that how you feel? Yeah, I sometimes I think that's what you think. I think yours are better than mine, Phil. We need well, to get you back on this horse. Phil, <laughs> Phil has requested that he didn't have to do it this week for the that, first time. I know. I You've think done a lot of them. I feel the pressure. And it's like a thing now, and I don't want it to be a thing. I like it being a thing. Okay. Listeners, thank you very much for being in touch uh, by superbellybrosedemon.com or at superbellybros on Twitter. We're going to cherry pick a few tweets and emails for you, starting with, shall we do this? I think we should do this. Yeah, Film Academy. Do you remember what this is, Phil? Yes, this is... <laughs> I don't know why it's been taken up so passionately by you. I think you just like the music. I love the music. Uh, this is my own experience of Film Academy, was going to university and just buying loads of HMVs, four for £20, and feeling like those films I had to watch, and that's how I got my film film fan credentials. And I was interested to see what your journeys were to becoming a film fan. And I listeners have been sending them in. So Correct. I'm assuming we've got one, and you're not just making me explain No, no, it. no, I do love the music, there, okay. and, I, and your explanation, too. Kufusha's has got in touch. Dear Super Betty Bros, about Phil's movie qualifications. Back in the day when Flickster was linked to Facebook, uh, you could stalk your friends and see what movies they had rated. I noticed one of my friends who also did film studies had rated nearly 2,000 films. Wow. Wow. Exactly, that's what he says. Wow. That's wow. a lot of time you get Can you do the Owen Wilson that wow? Wow. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, since then, I started rating all the films I've watched too. Perhaps I was trying to prove myself worthy. And as I just checked my record after listening to you guys, I noticed I've rated 1524, 1524 films already. That is a lot of films yeah, to rate. Is it, that just a star rating or is that detailed description? I assume just a star rating because that's a lot of reviews. If the average <laughs> length of each film is 90 minutes long, that's 1003. I can't actually read numbers. I can do words just fine. 137,160 minutes or 2,286 hours of my life. Wow. Over 95 days. 
uh, watching movies. And I wasn't even counting the hours I spent on the films I loved and watched more than once. Oh, yeah, of course. That's probably a big chunk as well. He asked if he's qualified uh, via Film Academy. I slightly feel like uh, that's overqualified. I think you're on the master's course there. <laughs> I think you're probably right there. Thanks for that, Kufushas. And we also got another... <laughs> I got another one of these from Esther at Super Betty Bros. My film education really kicked off when my then boyfriend, now husband, made me watch the films he grew up with, starting with Stand By Me. He then got a job and paid no rent to his parents. Oh, classic. That's the dream, isn't it? So he spent all his newfound riches on cheap DVDs and shoes. Uh, DVDs there bought from FOP. Do you remember FOP? Yeah, FOP was big. That was like the trendy HMV you went to. It was cheaper, you didn't want to support I think, HMV. And then unsurprisingly died within about a year. There's a FOP actually in Oxford, I have, you know. It might be the original, but I think it's just trading on the name, you know. Very HMV-ish. I like skies. going there. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go, Esther. Thank you very much, everyone, for your Film Academy stories. I love those. Please do send more in because I can't get enough of that soundtrack. Doesn't it make you feel better? Be honest with me now. <laughs> it makes you feel like I'm going in a time warp. <laughs> uh, and we got an email here from, as uh, we mentioned much earlier in the show, the Pixel Bro. A long email here. Thanks very much for getting in touch. Greetings, bros. Great work as ever. I have a very long th- list of films to check out on the basis of your recommendations. From a review in Feb 2017, I finally saw Tony Erdmann film, the film that you referenced the dancing on. German thing correct Except it wasn't dancing no and actually it was uh, the film that film stars don't die in Liverpool but, but look how it know, all worked yeah, out plus one to Laurie he says incredibly weird film but mesmerising intriguing to have a cathartic resolution significantly before the end so the actual end was an anticlimax but a sort of homely one it was probably the most believable father-daughter reconciliation I've seen on film not a spoiler because it'll keep you guessing everything was deliberate down to the pauses in conversation and the weird moments where people need to translate for each other it was a very low key but more effective for it critique of globalisation you guys have spoken before about subversive films this is as quietly subversive as they come but not in the Hollywood boring ways the whole thing is essentially a study in the weird feeling that comes when parents see the life we lead without them hold on when parents yes then parents see the life we lead without them she feels sort of ashamed sort of defiant, sort of that she wants to run back and be looked after again. To anticipate Phil's comment, (laughs) this could be another movie for dads of daughters. Yeah, a lot of those running around. Did you anticipate Phil's sort of sneery look as well there, Pixel (laughs) Not No, I'm I'm very pleased that you enjoyed the film. I haven't seen it. I I remember you describing it very weirdly and I thought... Did I? Well, yeah, I think you said it was good, but I just... How often are you in a mood to watch a very odd foreign film? It's good. It's got, it's a nice laid-back atmosphere, and it's funny and it's strange, but it's very human and surprising in lots of ways. So I'm glad, really glad you liked it, Pixel Bro. And he also said Amy, the documentary about Amy Winehouse. Oh, interesting. Last one to fill for this. Hard Hurrah. to know what to say. I commend it for a balanced portrayal, though how would I know? Good question. That's a good question. That's the big question. I came away with lots of questions <laughs> about talent, question. <laughs> fame, authenticity, purpose, etc. Not sure about ethics. The disclaimer saying contributors didn't necessarily endorse the project was a little troubling yeah but I feel like it's given people something to remember her achievements rather than only remembering the tragedy I think I raised those very similar points so I agree with you there Pixel Bro and thanks for the plus one because it is a very odd thing they use footage and there's no narration from uh, the the, make, the filmmaker the same guy did Senna by the way which I'm going to do and what we're watching in the future oh yeah and uh, you end up sort of feeling like certain people are to blame for Amy and what happened to her in her life and yet, at the same time, it's a, it's a documentary's view of that. It's very hard to be, remain critical because of the way the, the film is put together. But it's an interesting film. I definitely recommend it. Really insightful into 
understanding the the motives behind her lyrics, which I think is really a wonderful experience. I still actually haven't seen it, so I'm keen to do so. Uh, and then just to prove this to you listeners, also from Feb 2017, please do the love scene with no music or actor thing again. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I think love scenes are fascinatingly bad in almost all contexts. They're not possible to write well. Re-listening to Spider-Man, the music had me hooked that what he was saying meant something, even after hearing Monsieur and Mr. Computer destroy the dialogue. We did it with a French guy, didn't we? Uh, resurrect this feature. It was great. I can't believe that's over a year ago we did that. Wow, That's terrible, man. We are bad at letting features die. <laughs> that was going to be a feature that we didn't do. Well, it's week. back again. It's back again. Uh, love from the Pixel Bro. Got another email here from the Cannes film. Dear Super Baby Bros, Phantom Thread. Hard to find it showing anywhere. They actually called it Phantom Movie for that purpose, so I've ruined the joke. (laughs) We tracked it down on a snowy day, and it felt like a cold film. The soundscape was phenomenal in picking up lots of small things with great precision and tension rising tension but still feeling completely <laughs> realistic it's a joke that's literally so private not even our listeners understand it and yet we carry on with it i just love it it's so fun to say rising it really tension. is uh toast sorry toast pouring tea sewing thread yes very much agreed leslie manville who by the way you can see in bbc sitcom mum at the moment did you know oh, that really? didn't know that at all. yeah yeah uh, she was utterly compelling and enigmatic and even though she was unsettling it was an enjoyable viewing experience Ditto Vicky Creeps. On the other hand, the Daniel Day-Lewis character was similarly hard to interpret and interesting, but, in my opinion, not really enjoyable to watch. Not sure why. My wife disagrees and thinks Daniel Day-Lewis was outstanding. Yes, Mrs. Khan, you are correct. Overall, I'm not sure it was a successful film, even though it was a well-told, thought-provoking story. I still don't really know how I feel about the ending. And, yeah, I just don't know. It's the only thing that made sense, I reckon. <laughs> well, there's anything that didn't make sense to me. Well, there, uh, you, there go. you go. I think that's what makes it an interesting. That's what makes it an interesting <laughs> oh, film. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you very much for that. I I agree with lots of what you said. They also emailed about the post. Excellent script and screenplay. And incidentally, since you asked, Aaron Sorkin is one of those people whose involvement will automatically make me interested. That's one of the Broads categories, isn't it? Yes, that's right. interesting. Yeah, that's uh, a good nomination. That. In disagreement with Phil, I totally believe the mixture of timidity, responsibility, vulnerability and the eventually emerging inner core of determination in Catherine Graham, played by Meryl Streep. She was dealing with multiple layers of conflicting interests. I especially like the scene in her hallway when she finally confronted her old friend McNamara, Bob McNamara, McNamara that is, isn't it, over the administration's duplicitousness and pointing out her own son had gone to Vietnam while they all believed it was a waste of time. I'm in a very much agreement with you there, Carnes, and I, I do think it was a good performance from her. Nah, I'm glad you disagree. Finally, three billboards. Yeah, I don't think we've had many listeners email about this one, have we? Love the evocative opening shot of the disused boards. It surprised me such downbeat, grim array of circumstances and characters nevertheless ended up suggesting people can shift their perspective and change their outlooks. Woody Harrelson's Chief was a good watch, but I was very disappointed by the portrayal of his demise as a noble act, as if the letters he left could make up for it. Interesting perspective. Though, to be fair, they did show his wife's distress. We thought Sam Rockwell earned his Oscar and Francis McDormand was utterly believable, but also unsympathetic, so hard to like. There's a lot of praise there for Three Billboards. Yeah, I'm I, uh... surprised by that, because I think it's... Well, maybe maybe they saw the same things that I saw, but I'm, I was expecting a lot of people to go see it and just really not get it, like you didn't. Um, but no, I think, I think I agree with everything they said. Well, there you go. I mean, yeah, I, d- I haven't changed my thoughts, unfortunately. I thought it was unbelievable and irritating from start to finish. I'm sad to say. 
Uh, but there we go. Thanks very much, Carnes. Thank you. Oh, and they mentioned that don't take my word for it, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, already exists a podcast. Don't worry, that won't be mine. I can't, it's too late to change the name now because I started doing the artwork. So <laughs> <laughs> mine will have dot, dot, dot or nothing. It won't have exclamation marks. I mean, how unclassy can you get, right? <laughs> That's total rubbish. I always write exclamation marks in business, I love exclamation business emails. Marks. Sometimes, sometimes I've had much. bosses recommend I take some of my exclamation marks out. It's just bad, isn't it? Uh, I like using them in text. You don't. You never. Your texts, as we discussed on the show before, just have like one letter sometimes in them. Two yeah, words. that's to you. Oh, is that right? Really? <laughs> I text some people oh, with great enthusiasm. Your, re- your real friends. <laughs> uh, okay, and a couple of tweets to round it up. We've got a lot to say, haven't we? Alistair says, "Hi guys. After hearing your latest pod, have to agree with your thoughts on Black Panther, and definitely agree. While it's decent, a bit overhyped. Uh, you also had another dig at Nolan and Zimmer, but he's still the best director in the world and should win Oscars this year." <laughs> Well, so we can't agree with you on that last statement, but you know, I hope you heard our, you know, capitulation. We've already sort on. of mentioned it. We've preempted <laughs> a lot of this. Maybe you've, uh, you've read ahead. Uh, apparently, he also mentioned he went to a ten-year anniversary screening for The Dark Knight. I didn't know it was ten years old. Uh, interesting, and uh, he thinks that's Nolan's best film. Uh, Esther, also, do you agree with that? Dark Knight. I like Inception best. Yeah, I think Inception's pretty good as well. And we Memento, that Memento and, is very yeah, good. Prestige, and, I quite like, and, even though it's yeah, weird. He's done a lot of very good films, but I, th- I think like we. What he said, it's almost like the the overhype makes you underhype him. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, uh, Esther, just a very short one. At Superbelly Bros, pistachio kernels. <laughs> Do you remember when we talked about that? Meat, the meat of the nut, the, the meat. meat of the nut. But kernels. C- kernels are are they not? Is that not the shell? <laughs> Oh, let's not do we this We can't again. have this nitpicking it's about nuts. So badly. Nut picking. Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> terrible in every conceivable way well done i got way too much love oh dear uh thank you very much for that esther yeah that well if you didn't listen to the end of last week's show you won't know what on earth that's about but i it was good to get those things off my chest i hope it wasn't painful to listen to nicholas final tweet for today at super belly bros oscars 90 same predictions as me except he says screenplay call me by your name nicholas i mean that's for adapted screenplay i didn't include that in our list because i couldn't fit any more nominations in to 140 <laughs> characters. That's a screenplay I went with, Call Me By yeah, Your Name. Yeah, so you and I both said Call Me By Your Name for that one. So, But Get Out was original screenplay. Points all round. There we go. Editing, he thought Baby Driver was going to win it. A lot of people thought that. I thought... I think the Kevin Spacey thing was too too hot to get Do you think so? I yeah, don't, I think no, so. I don't think so. Otherwise, I don't think it would have even been nommed. Um, I, I, nommed. <laughs> I think it, in some ways it's very showy, but... It, I didn't find the editing that impressive, I wouldn't say, except for the car chases, which were really brilliantly car shot. Car chases were the best bit about that film. Mm, and maybe there more than edited. that many car... We need to rewatch that film. That was a listener at the start yeah, of the year. Yeah, I'd said. like to do that. I think when people think about the editing, I think they're thinking about the way it cuts to the music. But actually, in the, and I mean this in the most positive way possible, is a gimmick. It's a good one because it aids the film, but I don't think it's something you give an award for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but would you give it to Dunkirk over... No, I wouldn't, as we've already very clearly said. Anyway. I, Tonya, should have got that one. Uh, visual effects, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, all agreed. Score, Dunkirk, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> chance. Uh, sorry, Nicholas, I can't agree with you there. Uh, and then production, Blade Runner 2049. Oh, really? I'm interested. I think Shape of Water absolutely nailed production on every possible level yeah and it did it all under budget as well uh all right there we go thank you very much everyone for getting in touch and we'll look forward to hearing more from you next week send all your thoughts to superbellybros at gmail.com and at superbellybros on twitter and uh yeah the episodes are long aren't they these days (laughs) they're always long (laughs) 
There we are. Thank you very much for staying tuned uh, to season three, episode eight of Super Betty Bros in Movie Land. Phil, did you enjoy the show? Yeah, I did. I think it was a bit zippier. I feel more energetic, which is weird because I'm super hungry right now. Yeah, me too. I had like Late one of those McDonald's on or... the way home. <laughs> is that what you're going for? Some nuggets. Delicious stuff, man. You know, my secret to enjoy McDonald's, forget that meal. Turn that meal away. You don't need the chips or the drink. Get yourself two of the cheap burgers, two double cheeseburgers, and stick. Or, or all in one big stack, so four double You could do that. <laughs> you could try and squash Make a double, it. double burger. And this is what I do, especially if I'm in London and I'm having to walk from A to B. They're, you know, they're exactly the right size to eat on the move, and it's much better value for money as well. You should not be eating while you're walking. Well, too late, mate. Done it. That, is, is, a, that, a problem? that is the number one thing. I'm going to say something as if it's true, but it's not. That's like the number one thing that leads to overeating. Is that you true? don't count it as a meal, even though you've eaten a Well, meal. I count it as a meal. I did count it as a meal. That's why I'm hungry right but now. But apparently people don't, because they, they think you have to sit down to have a meal. It's people. just like a freebie because you're walking while you're doing it. Is that really true? Well, whatever. I mean, I, I did think... Anyway, let's not do this right now. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, again, we're not, we won't be with you for a couple of weeks. I very much hope to have my show launched over the next couple of weeks. I'm really sorry for the delay. All I can say is, you know, I'm a workhorse, and even workhorses have to sleep sometimes. <laughs> or they get put su- down. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. That's really, really I, I, but I, yeah, yeah, That's justified because I'm being very self-pitying now. I just need to get on, this, get on it and get it done. Uh, in two weeks' time, I can't even remember which films will be out, but I think there are some big ones. We're in the post-Oscar haze and then it'll all pick up again. Anyway, have a great week, listeners. Stay in touch and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Laurie, I've, I've, I almost hesitate to admit that I've done this, um, but I have done it and, I, and I, yeah, I'm just going to confess to it. I've played Dungeons & Dragons. The card game. Not the card game, like the real role-playing game with a dungeon master and everything. Oh, that's what I kind of meant. Is that a recent thing? Uh, yeah, I did it like uh, like a Friday or so ago. Was it good? Yeah, I made myself a character. Very good. And um, I'm not taking it too seriously. I'm trying not to, but it is it is a weird mix because I can. it's almost like I'm having an out-of-body experience as I'm playing it in which I realise I'm the most nerdy guy ever and yet I'm having a great time. You're not the most nerdy guy ever. I mean, and the guys who play Dungeons & Dragons aren't either. Well, that's what I wanted to say. Listeners, I, I couldn't believe how much fun I had, partly because I called my character. Do you want to know what I call my character? Hit me with it, man. I called it It's-a-Me Mario. It's-a-me Mario. That's so a fantastic name. First well name, It's-a-me. You're making a bigger mistake. It's exactly the same. There's so much joy in yeah. those names. So every time somebody refers to me, you have to refer to each other's characters rather than who they are. Very you have good. to say, It's-a-me. Do you want to go? <laughs> I like that. Do you that. want to go collect some arrows? I it's probably would have been Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan. Mm. James Bond. You were James Bond. <laughs> I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Listeners, what well, you don't realise, this is this is expanding already and tangential already, but we've got some bonuses that have been like family bonuses for a long time. That's true. James Bond is like a deep cut. James Bond. That was uh, based on the fact that we heard a... We it, was, heard... it was me. I heard it on a podcast once. Uh, there's a guy talking about how over Christmas he loves to sit back and watch James Bond films. But the way he said James Bond... I played it to you, didn't I? Yeah, it was James Bond. James Bond. And it, the thing is, the more you say it, the more fun it is to say. James Bond. James Bond. James Bond. James Bond. <laughs> love... this, you get away with it every time, but it's, it's not brilliant. right. It's a, like, a bit like Pokemon as well, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Also, I remember hearing it. a news report of a guy... Uh, it was a very sad story, actually. I won't go into the details of the news report, but it's a very sad story about a kid playing pretending to be a superhero and uh, the way he described the seriousness of the report is important it was very sad it was very sad very like yeah but the way he said it was batman yeah rather than batman uh, and the child was pretending to be batman
And it's just like, that is a mistake you Come don't want to make. Do, you, do your job Batman. on the radio. You can't do that. Batman. Yeah, you can't do that. These are bonuses oh. that stay in our mind long long before but, we know, even back, see. Back to the Dungeons and Dragons thing, though. Man. Oh, yeah, sorry. The thing, like, I, uh, I'm really glad you did that, and I'd kind of like to know if it's fun, because I seriously believe that when you see guys who just love it and they play that thing, that is a pure joy, isn't it? You commit to it, you spend loads of time doing it, you've got your mates with you playing it. What, what, is there, what more do you want? Like, that's what you do in the pub, isn't it? Except you get to you get every now and again you look around to make sure no one's laughing at you. Like <laughs> I think the it, thing it, the thing which I was really surprised by is it's all taking place basically on what people say to you. So the dungeon master's like, you're you walk along and you do they see, inhabit the role by the way? Yeah, well, so people try to, but my my friends won't take it that seriously. I think we're all on the same level where we kind of want to we want to play it and we enjoying the game, but at the same time we're calling ourselves. One of our characters was called Lashawn. So Lashawn, Lashawn, the yeah. It was just, it was not very serious at all. And yet at the same time, you get captivated by the pictures in your head. So there's one point where we're all walking along. We've got to go and deliver something uh, with our little cart. We come across a horse dead on the road with arrows in it. And you're like, oh no, there might be orcs about. (laughs) And the thing is, it's because you picture it in your head. It's like the best movie you've ever seen. And I I got weirdly swept up in it when we finally killed the big boss man. I'm sure I've told you that when Judith and I went uh, for a long weekend in Cambridge once, walking across a field, we saw people doing historical reenactment battles and they were genuinely dressed up. That's LARPing, live action role play. Exactly, with swords. And and we were walking up to Hedge and there's a girl literally sat like she was on the cover of our fantasy book. She was doing like a squat with a sword plunged into the earth. Do you know what I mean? Like between her knees. (laughs) She was holding it like with her elbows up. You can yeah, you picture, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. showing you what I'm doing yeah. as well. And I was like, this is, this is not real. <laughs> What's happening right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went up and talked to them about it because that's the kind of guy I am, man. And uh, we, had, we had a little, well, I love to chat to people about this kind of stuff. And we had a nice conversation about it. And they were so excited and happy to be there. I felt a genuine yearning. I was like, why? Why, do, why have I never done this? Why, why, why do I not have all these friends? In the end, what I got them to do, because we had bikes at the time, was I got them to chase me on my bike, the, the horde of people waving their swords and Judith to video it. <laughs> I was very excited about it. Was it a good video? Well, what do you, what, it, it, it so happens, listeners, that Judith is with us as we record this particular segment. How did it go, Judith? Speak up loudly. Very well. Well, what happened was Judith was so embarrassed. She did not want me to go and talk to these people. You really didn't want me to chat to them. And that came out in your videography skills as well. You did you not feel it very well? No, no, no. I tried to get a picture at the end, but the picture, like changing between picture and video, was very slow. So what we got in the end, uh, what I'd envisaged was like a profile shot of this guy on this 1960s bike, right? And then the horde of you know, like marauding people chasing across a Cambridge field. You can picture that. What a scene. <laughs> yeah. Instead, it sort of it was, uh, I was coming towards Judith very slowly. And part of the problem is I cycled really slow. So they had to sort of fake run, <laughs> which didn't work. I did, I know, and you know, that was a mistake. I should have known that. So it was a very wobbly camera that kind of falls down to the ground <laughs> towards the end. No, it doesn't. A little bit, a little bit. So anyway, that's my story film. But I completely understand, and now I want to join your little whatever it is, your little, what do you call it? Cover D&D. D&D. Your, uh, what's, what's the what's a word? My what's clan. A, your clan. Thank you. <laughs> Sounds like a disease. Clan. Anyway, there you go. A bit embarrassing, but there you go. You definitely probably, that's not... Can't say definitely, probably. Can no, you? you can't actually. No. Oh yeah, sorry, mate. One. You never sound it. I never feel like I'm your mate when you say. I know. Mate. And uh, thank you again. <laughs> oh, I'm getting worse than that. What's the deal with this? <laughs> um, dear Super Betty Bros, I'm up for you. Uh, dear Super Betty Bros, dear Super Betty Bros, Laurie. No. Uh. <laughs> 
Yes, Mrs. Khan, you are correct. <laughs> yes, Mrs. Khan, you are correct. Yeah, I don't think we've heard of any of many any listeners other than these. Because <laughs> you're not thinking about it, Laurie. There you go. Jesus, what are you doing? Because <laughs> you're not thinking about it. Jesus, oh, Phil's trying to get home. Come I really on, gotta get home. It's very funny. He would talk to me about the nature of the sounds he was playing with. This, this idea of sort of razor blades on strings, this idea of tension and, and extraordinary tension, just mounting and mounting, rising tension, just mounting and mounting and mounting, rising and mounting, extraordinary tension, rising tension, extraordinary mounting and tension, rising tension, just mounting and mounting and mounting, rising tension and mounting, extraordinary tension, rising tension.